A $1 million donation will bring COVID testing to Unit 5 schools. The University of Illinois hired a new head football coach. More on these stories, I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. And I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap weekly stories reported by Lee Enterprises Central Illinois journalists. Today, Kelsey and I want to kick off this special early episode with the recent passage of the $900 billion coronavirus relief package. The U.S. Congress reached an agreement this week on the package, which includes stimulus checks and extends unemployment benefits and funding for small businesses. Both chambers of Congress approved the package Monday, and it's been sent to President Donald Trump to be signed into law. This is some exciting news, so Kelsey, take it away. Tell me, what's included in this new COVID relief package? Thanks for asking, Sierra. The new package is fairly extensive in some ways, so here are a few key points to look out for. To start, the bill, which was approved just days before the Federal CARES Act was set to expire, provides an 11-week extension to the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance and the Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Programs. Both programs provide $300 a week in supplemental unemployment benefits. The new relief package also gives $600 in stimulus payments directly into the pockets of individuals earning $75,000 or less annually and families earning $150,000 or less. About $284 billion will be added to the Paycheck Protection Program, which provides forgivable loans to small businesses affected by the pandemic. Like I said, there's a lot to this package that you'll want to look into. Thankfully, we provide plenty of coverage on this relief package across our three websites, panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. You can visit any of those three websites to learn more about what's included. And while you're there, consider our subscription options to support your local journalists. Uh, With that, Sierra, why don't you tell us what's going on in our local government this week? This may be a shortened week for us, but we're definitely not short on local government news. We had a few interesting announcements this week coming out of Bloomington Normal and Decatur and Mattoon. On Tuesday, the city of Bloomington launched its new COVID-19 Small Business Assistance Grant Program, which seeks to provide assistance to small businesses struggling amid the coronavirus pandemic. The program, funded by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Community Development Block Grant Program, under the Federal CARES Act, will provide eligible businesses a one-time grant of up to $5,000. For more information on the Bloomington Grant Program, read Kevin Barlow's report at panagraph.com. Kelsey, what's going on in Mattoon? Down in Mattoon, the city council voted to appoint council member Sandra Graven to serve as acting mayor this week following the death of Tim Gover, who had been the mayor for 10 years. Graven will hold the position until a new mayor is chosen in the April 6th election. So far, council members Rick Hall and Preston Owen are in the running, as well as challengers Randy Hustle and Alex Walker. To read reporter Rob Stroud's story, go to jg-tc.com. Now back in uh, Bloomington Normal, what did Normal do this week, Sierra? I'm so glad you asked. In Normal, the town council approved a new ordinance waiving 2021 liquor license fee renewals for certain licensee holders. The ordinance waives the fees for certain licensees, but if businesses are found in violation of state or local COVID-19 regulations, the license holders will have to pay the amount of the license renewal within 30 days. You can find my write-up of the Normal Town Council meeting, which includes information on the liquor license fee renewal ordinance and council meeting coverage on Panagraph.com. In a similar vein, the Decatur City Council on Monday scrapped 2021 license fee renewals for business owners with video gaming machines. 
The council added that the city will issue a refund to owners who have already paid their $500 per machine fees. Decatur Herald and Review Tony Reed reports. Instead, the city will impose the $500 annual fee on the operators of the terminals, which are often out-of-town companies, Reed reported. To learn more about this new ordinance and to read coverage of the Decatur City Council meeting, check out the story at herald-review.com. Now, Kelsey, I heard there was some exciting news in education this week. Care to share? Absolutely. This week, uh, Rivian Automotive and Redditus Laboratories announced they are donating $1 million to McLean County Unit 5 schools to bring on-site testing to the district. The donation will make up a total of 9,000 tests available for Unit 5 students and staff at no cost to the districts. Logistics of the testing will be determined in the next couple weeks, uh, but to learn more about how this partnership came about, read my report at panagraph.com. So, uh, how are sports this week, Sierra? We have a lot of interesting developments in the sports world this morning. So let's start with what's going on with the University of Illinois football. On Saturday, Brett Bielma was hired as Illinois' head football coach, succeeding former coach Levy Smith, who was fired last week. Bielma, whose hometown is Prophetstown, has had a long career in football, playing first for the University of Iowa. Bielma launched his coaching career after graduating from Iowa, coaching first for Kansas State before landing a position as head football coach for the University of Wisconsin. Later in his career, he was hired as an assistant NFL coach for the New England Patriots in 2018 and the New York Giants in 2020. Decatur Herald and Review Joey Wagner has covered the transition of head coaches extensively with full coverage of Bioma's press conference, interviews with players, and a few columns. You can read the full story and more at herald-review.com. In normal, Illinois State University announced Kyle Brennan as the Redbirds' next athletic director. Brennan is succeeding Larry Lyons, who retired this fall and will be the university's 12th athletic director in the Division I era. Brennan previously served as Utah's chief operating officer and deputy athletics director for internal operations. Reporter Jim Benson gives a full look at Brennan's life and career at Pentagraph.com, so make sure to check his story out. Now, Kelsey, let's talk a little bit about public safety. What happened this week so far? All right, well, this first story kind of ties in public safety and a little bit of government. Um, So enforcement of COVID-19 restrictions has largely been left up to individual municipalities and counties, creating kind of a hodgepodge effort to halt the spread of the virus. Over the last few weeks, Panagraph reporter Cade Heather and I have taken a look at how Central Illinois has handled enforcement of mitigation efforts, which has varied greatly. In Bloomington Normal, some bars and restaurants have been cited or fined for operating indoor dining, and across the state, Illinois State Police said five misdemeanor charges have been filed against businesses that have been outright and openly violating tier three restrictions. Kate and I covered a lot in this story, uh, even reaching out to the governor and some statewide agencies, so definitely go to panagraph.com to read more. In other public safety news, a semi ran off State Route 130 south of Charleston Wednesday afternoon, resulting in a fatal crash. The name of the driver, a Greenup resident, has not yet been released, but check jgtc.com for any and all updates as new information comes in. In court's news, 22-year-old Taiwan Bruce was sentenced Monday to 45 years in prison for his involvement in the murder of 20-year-old Egerton Dover in uh, December 2018. Bruce was found guilty of robbery and first-degree murder during a home invasion after a week-long trial in August. He's one of three men police have said were involved in Dover's death. Earlier this year, Anthony Gramsis, 20, was found guilty of first-degree murder as well and sentenced to 45 years in prison. A third person police have said was involved, Curtis Harrison, 18, died during a 2019 shooting at a Decatur restaurant. 
You can read more about the case in my report on the sentencing at panagraph.com. On a very different note, it seems like the weather is dropping, so Sierra, what's the outlook for Christmas Eve and going into the weekend? It may not be a white Christmas this year, but it will definitely feel like one. Meteorologists are calling for a frigid Christmas Eve with a chance of flurries Thursday night, Herald and Review reporter Garrett Karsten reported Wednesday. Experts say they expect temperatures to drop to the mid-20s through most of central Illinois with wind chills in the low teens. On Friday, temperatures are expected to drop below zero, so make sure you are taking all the necessary precautions to stay nice and cozy this Christmas day. The Pantograph, Decatur Herald and Review, and the Mattoon Journal-Gazette Times Courier will be watching weather temps closely, so make sure you are keeping up to date with us this holiday weekend. In other community news, the Greater Decatur Black Chamber of Commerce launched a new effort called Operation Save Christmas. The program aims to purchase gifts for more than 150 deserving children who, due to family circumstances, are in a tough financial year this year. This year, the chamber also assisted Cordell Scott and Brandy Wendell, whose family were the victims of a tragic November 29th fire in Decatur. Scott lost his 13-year-old daughter to the fire, and his stepdaughter, Kaylin Wendell, 7, is still fighting for her life in the Springfield Hospital. Reporter Tony Reed spoke to the family as they were out shopping to provide for their family, and you can read the full story at herald-review.com for more information on how they're doing and how you can help. Uh, Kelsey, it looks like there were some lights going on in uh, Mattoon that were pretty interesting. Why don't you tell me about it? That's right. A lighted parade moved through Mattoon Tuesday night to honor frontline hospital employees at Sarah Bush Lincoln Health Center and as a memorial for the city's late mayor, Tim Gover, who was also a member of the hospital's nonprofit foundation. One of the organizers, Scott Eggleston, said he and other community members wanted to give back and show their appreciation for the medical team who have worked so hard throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Supporters young and old lined up to cheer and wave to the doctors and nurses all night. Uh, Head over to JGTC.com to read Rob Stroud's full story and see lots of photos and videos from that night. Okay, so um, as we're closing out uh, today's episode, Kelsey and I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some things that you may or may not be seeing in the online or print version of the Panagraph um, this week. If you have noticed, we have had, um, we're doing a countdown of our top stories of the year. Um, Wednesday was uh, day seven, so story number seven. Um, but this year we've highlighted so far the Lincoln plane crash, uh, Rivian, and all of the investments and in construction going on there, plus their production launch, um, cannabis sales. Oh, <laughs> Kelsey just waved her arms at me to remind me of I'm not quite sure what it was. <laughs> Meaning to be. Oh, <laughs> uh, the DeWitt County wind farm, which has been a really hot issue at DeWitt County. And it, for some reason, wind farms love DeWitt County because there's another one looking at the um, place to set up. And then, it, was that it? Um, yeah, okay. Um, and I think the last one that we've had so far was the ISU leadership announcing they're retiring this year or they announced it this year. I'm not sure exactly when their retirement dates are. Probably uh, mid-year next year. But President Larry Dietz and uh, the athletic director, Larry Lyons, they're both going to head out after this. Yeah, and so as, like, the week progresses, we'll be posting, like, our little countdown to, like, the number one uh, story of the year. So make sure that you're keeping up with us. Um, 
I know I, m- me and Annalisa talked about our most memorable stories on an earlier podcast, but I was going to ask Kelsey what her most memorable stories of this year have been. Uh, so Kelsey, what do you remember the most? Or what were your top stories that you've written this year? Uh, well, some of my favorites and I guess most memorable is accurate. Um, I did a couple stories uh, with high school students who were kind of getting involved in the election process, the political process. Um, so Normal West kids went up to Iowa during caucus season, like right before the caucus happened. And they got back and were just jazzed about entering the political arena, essentially. And it was, it was awesome to hear from them. It was... They were so excited, and a lot of them, like most of them, were going to be 18 before the November election, but that was um, in the before times. I think it was in February that I talked to them, but, um, and then much later in the year, I talked to Hayworth seniors who were making a podcast, kind of like ours, uh, where they were (laughs) um, talking about the election, and uh, the one... When I went to the classroom, they were doing one basically predicting the election, and turns out they were correct because they predicted that um, President-elect Joe Biden would get the majority of the delegates. So that's interesting. But each uh, episode, they do a different topic, and they want like in- to involve the community and hear feedback and everything. So that was really cool, and it was the first time I had been in a classroom in like nine months because before that, everything was closed. Um, now, away from schools, uh, kind of early in the pandemic, um, a lot of families were kind getting a, getting a little stir crazy, and so they went and uh, a lot made paper hearts and put out uh, set out teddy bears, and people went on like scavenger hunts looking for hearts and teddy bears, and it was I don't know really cool to talk to talk to a lot of parents about that, and uh, just trying to make it through those early days when didn't have anything to do. Um, I'm not gonna lie I snuck in a 2019 story into my top five list because it was after okay I was here last year when we did this but this story happened two days after Christmas last year and so it didn't make it on my list um, but this three-year-old oh she might be four by now uh, this three-year-old who um, has a really severe cancer they held a meet and greet in Clinton for her with a bunch of high school students dressed up as Disney characters and it was the cutest thing. She was so excited to meet Anna and Elsa from Frozen and it was just really made me happy and uh, I couldn't not include it on this list. It's really cute. (laughs) So yeah, those were my favorites or like most memorable of the past year. But looking forward, um, Sierra and I this week have been working on a very big story Tell us more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't give away too much because it's going to go hand in hand with our top story of the year. But I will give you a little hint about what it is. So we are doing um, a thing called Newsmaker of the Year where we recognize um, an individual or a group of individuals who have made a really huge impact on the community. 
and Kelsey and I have written the story for this year. It's actually written and done. We're very excited. Um, we're hope, we hope everyone gets to read it because it's, it's a really good story and I, it's very well deserved um, who our newsmaker of the year is going to be. But I will not tell you yet. So you have to check in with us, okay? Now, that's really important. Now, you have to check in with us at panagraph.com. And then Decatur and Mattoon will also have their own newsmaker of the year and their own top stories. So if you want to see, like, which each um, each site has done for their top stories of the year and who their newsmaker of the year, uh, you can check it out at panagraph.com, jg-tc.com, or Decatur or herald-review.com and if you want go ahead and tell us what you thought was the most important story of the year or who would be your newsmaker of the year tweet at me at pg underscore sierra henry and that's sierra like sierra nevada s-i-e-r-r-a and tweet at me at k watsonauer it's k-w-a-t-z-n-a-u-e-r not repetitive or not monotone at all to spell out my last name <laughs> Um, and as always, if you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And while you're at it, head over to panagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com to check out the subscription information and consider, sports, and consider supporting hashtag local journalism. Support local journalism. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>